Welcome to another installment of Fighting for the Faith. My name is Chris Roseboro. I am your servant in Jesus Christ. This is the channel that compares what people are saying in the name of God to the Word of God. So every year around this time uh, it, it is the Jewish Feast of Rosh Hashanah, the uh, the head of the year, the, uh, the Jewish New Year. And I've noticed over the past decade that there are a growing number of people who think that this is a biblical feast, and it's not. And and, uh, and then people in the NAR, in the charismatic and Pentecostal movements, use uh, the occasion of Rosh Hashanah to then give their New Year's prophecies. And we're going to show that this is not a biblical practice at all. Like, not even close. In fact, I'll say it up front. Uh, if you know people who are giving prophecies for Rosh Hashanah, um, they're not actually giving prophecies. They're engaging in fortune telling. Yeah, I, I'll give you an example uh, as we move along here today. So let's uh, let's do this. Let's whirl up the desktop. And uh, we're going to head over to the 10.30 a.m. Um, service, uh, church service at Shiloh Fellowship in Arizona run by Patricia King. And this was streamed live on September 18th. And the name of it is Hebrew Calendar and uh, Year 5783. You're going to learn a little bit of Hebrew along the way, by the way. And uh, we'll, we'll see what she has to say. This is the setup. And by the way, it, it, this is not something limited only to Patricia King. I'm only using her as an example. So if you are, are seeing in your Facebook feed or your social Social media feeds, people who are talking about the Jewish New Year, and uh, and it's several years from now. It, it'll be five, seven, eight, seven, or you know something like this. This all still applies. We're going to definitively show that this is not a biblical feast, and these people, when they try to interpret the the Hebrew meaning of that particular year, they're actually engaging in fortune telling. So here we go. Thank you. <laughs> wow. The presence of the Lord is so powerful in here this morning, and it just gets more and more and more and more. It's just amazing, and a lot of that is because of the prayer. And if you haven't been out to the prayer meetings, I tell you, they're their own revival meetings. <laughs> they are so good. I so look forward. Whenever I have to miss one, I just groan inside because they are so good. We just come with no agenda. We just come to worship Jesus, to press into him, to press in for the more of him. And every single time, revelatory portals open up, and he speaks to our Revelatory portals open up. Not a biblical teaching. This is nonsense. Every single time, relevant words, and um, you can feel the shifts coming. It's amazing. Grab a bingo card, because that's the territory we're in right now. And uh, Pastor Francisco mentioned about being always relevant. You'll always be relevant. This house will always be relevant when you're always prophetic. Okay, you're going to note that in Christ's church, the orders are to preach the word not to preach this stuff. So uh, we've got a big problem here. Always. When, when you listen for the voice of the Lord and partner with what he's doing, you'll always be relevant. It's that easy. It is so easy. It's just walking with him, right? There's no big formula or anything. Now notice, she doesn't have a Bible out. She's not going to preach the word. She's going to claim to be preaching a prophetic revelation that God gave her. So let me fast forward just a little bit. 
as she gets a little bit you know more specific now this is just the setup for where she was going and let's see what comes next well we're coming into on the hebrew calendar we're coming into the year 5783 and of course in january on the gregorian calendar we'll be coming into 2023 but it is a I'm going to point something out here. When a church or Christians emphasize the Hebrew calendar, you know who gets left by the wayside? Jesus. So she says this is the Gregorian calendar. Okay, fine. But why is it why is it the year 2022 currently right now and why will it be 2023? 2022 years since what? You'll note we are in the year Anno Domini. That means the year of our Lord. So as Christians, Christians for the last two millennia have been counting time based upon the incarnation, the death, burial and resurrection and ascension of Jesus Christ. That's why Christians observe this calendar that uses these dates. So people who are, you know, they, who are claiming, well, we need to get back to that Hebrew calendar. Well, I'm going to point out that they're actually not. And I'll prove it to you biblically. Brand new year in a decade that um, presented us a new era. So it's a very, very strategic time that we are living in. As you notice in 2020, everything shifted. And so we're, we're now inside of this decade of the pay, which is a mouth. I won't go too much into Pay is a Hebrew letter. Uh, uh, now, but this year coming up is 5783. And in Second Chronicles 2020, it says that, that if we trust the Lord, we will succeed. And if we believe his prophets, we will prosper. And okay, taken out of context. Okay, does Second uh, Chronicles 2020 teach us that we need to hear from prophets like Patricia King? And I'm going to put her in quotes, air quotes, because she's not a true prophet. She's a false prophet. So let's do a little bit of biblical work here. And this particular text is a fantastic text, great story. And uh, you'll, you'll note that we always take the occasion to actually teach what the Word says. So Second Chronicles 2020 gives us an account uh, regarding uh, some danger that Jehoshaphat, was in. He was one of the kings of Judah. So here's what it says. After this, the Moabites and the Ammonites, and with them some of the, uh, the Meunites, uh, came against Jehoshaphat for battle. Some men came and told Jehoshaphat, a great multitude is coming against you from Edom, from beyond the sea, and behold, they are, at, they are in Hazazon Tamar, that is in Gedi. And then Jehoshaphat was afraid, and he set his face to seek Yahweh, and proclaimed a fast throughout all of Judah. And Judah assembled to seek help from Yahweh. From all the cities of Judah they came to seek Yahweh. And Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem, in the house of Yahweh before the new court, and said, O Yahweh, God of our fathers, are you not in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. In your hand are power and might, so that none is able to withstand you. Did you not, our God, drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people, Israel, and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? And they have lived in it and have built for you in it a sanctuary for your name, saying, If disaster comes upon us, the sword, judgment, or pestilence, or famine, we will stand before this house and before you, for your name is in this house, and cry out to you in our affliction, and you will hear and you will save. And now behold the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, whom you would not let Israel invade when they came from the land of Egypt, and whom they avoided 
polluted and did not destroy. Behold, they rewarded us by coming to drive us out of your possession, which you have given us to inherit. O our God, will you not execute judgment on them? For we are powerless against this great horde that is coming against us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. And so you'll note, in the midst of danger and trial, Jehoshaphat calls on God, and he doesn't decree He doesn't declare, he doesn't say, I decree and declare victory over the Moabites and the Ammonites and the Menunites. You know, it doesn't do any of that stuff. Instead, he humbly petitions and asks God to act on their behalf, to save them, to rescue them, right? Meanwhile, all Judah stood before Yahweh with their little ones, their wives, and their children. And the spirit of Yahweh came upon Jehazael, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaniah, the son of Jael, the son of Mataniah, a Levite, and the sons of Asaph in the midst of the assembly. And he said, listen, all of Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem and King Jehoshaphat, thus says Yahweh to you, do not be afraid, do not be dismayed at this great horde, for the battle is not yours, it's God's. Tomorrow go down against them, behold, they will come up by the ascent of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the valley east of the wilderness of Jeruel, and you will not need to fight in this battle. Stand firm, hold your position, and see the salvation of Yahweh on your behalf. O Judah and Jerusalem, do not be afraid and do not be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them and Yahweh will be with you. Then Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell down before Yahweh, worshiping Yahweh. And the Levites of the Kohites and the Korahites stood up to praise Yahweh, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. And they rose early in the morning and went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. And when they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem, believe in Yahweh your God, and you will be established. Believe his prophets, and you will succeed. And you're going to note here, Jehoshaphat is uh, saying these words during a time when there were truly Old Testament prophets. And so who were the prophets in particular that he was referring to? Well, the ones who spoke up and said that they wouldn't have to fight. And so this isn't some kind of blanket statement that we need to now listen to people like Patricia King. Instead, this has a historical context during the time when there were true prophets. And I, by the way, I absolutely listen to and believe God's prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Amos, Obadiah, Zechariah, you get the point, right? So I absolutely believe them. But you're going to note, she took this out of context to make it sound like, well, we need to believe Patricia King. I would remind you all that 1 John chapter 4, verse 1 says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. And I have tested Patricia King and her so-called prophecies for more than a decade on this YouTube channel and on my podcast previously, and she has been somebody we have been uh, testing against the Word of God from the inception of fighting for the faith in all of its forms. And I can tell you, she has failed every single test. She's not a true prophet. But let's come back to uh, Jehoshaphat. So he he's encouraging the inhabitants of Judah to believe in Yahweh, and uh, you'll be established, believe as prophets, and you will succeed. And when he had taken counsel with the people, he appointed those who were to sing to Yahweh and praise him in holy attire as 
as they went before the army and say, Give thanks to Yahweh, for his steadfast love endures forever. And when they began to sing in praise, Yahweh set an ambush against the men of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah, so that they were routed. For the men of Ammon and Moab rose against the inhabitants of Mount Seir, devoting them to destruction. And when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, they all helped to destroy one another. Well, it, exactly as the prophets said, they wouldn't even have to fight in that battle, and they didn't. True prophets always give true prophecies. Uh, anybody who gives a false prophet, a false prophecy, they are a false prophet, according to uh, Deuteronomy chapter 18. So already we got a strike against uh, Patricia King because she has twisted Second Chronicles chapter 20, uh, uh, verse 22, right? She's already twisted the scripture. So here, here we Trust go. the Lord. Uh, sorry, verse 20. And in Second Chronicles 20, 20, it says that, that if we trust the Lord, we will succeed. And if we believe his prophets, we will prosper. And Note how she absolutely twisted this text. Proof she's a false prophet. We have always, as a body, um, gone before the Lord in reverence to receive his prophetic insight for, for the new seasons. Because we have learned that if we know what's on God's heart for a, a, a particular season, and we align with that, we partner with... No biblical text talks about hearing the word of God for a particular season and then aligning with it. This is a non-biblical doctrine. She has added this. Him In that, every year we are blessed, every single year, without fail, without fail. We just, every single year it's been this way. And so we are... That's an appeal to her experience, not to what the scripture says. Very careful to seek the Lord, especially at this time of year, as we prepare our hearts before God to walk with him. All right. So that's the second part of the setup. Here comes the next part. And this is where kind of the rubber will hit the road. Anyways, back to the year 5783 in the Hebrew calendar. Next Sunday, Sunday, uh, September 25th at sundown, until Tuesday, September 27th at sundown, we will be um, celebrating Rosh Hashanah, or the Feast of Trumpets, it is called in the Bible. It is a biblical feast, not just... No, it's not. Rosh Hashanah is not a biblical feast. I'll prove it in a minute, but let's kind of get a little bit more context from her. I'll back this up just a little bit. Or the Feast of Trumpets, it is called in the Bible. It is a biblical feast, not just a Jewish feast. It is a biblical feast. And we enjoy celebrating God this year. And it's a time when the Lord has called for... Um, blowing the uh, shofar, actually, it starts with that, and calling people to repent for their sins. So it's what starts, it, it begins the 10 days of awe, and then finishes up with the Day of Atonement, which is the holiest day on the Hebrew calendar. All right, so modern Judaism, okay, which is a, a product of the Pharisees, modern-day Judaism, a Judaism without temple, without sacrifices. Uh, this is not biblical Judaism. This is a Judaism that was created by, you know, by the Pharisees, who were kind of like the last people standing. And so I'm going to point this out to you. If we go into the book of, uh, let's say, Leviticus 23, talking about the Day of Atonement. Since she says the Day of Atonement, you know, you know so uh, Rosh Hashanah, 10 days of awe, and then the Day of Atonement. Pay attention to what Leviticus 23 says regarding the Day of Atonement. Yahweh spoke to Moses saying, now on the 10th day of the seventh month is the Day of Atonement. Which month? Seventh. 
biblically, the Day of Atonement is not at the at at uh, the he- head of the year. It's not during Rosh Hashanah, not even close. And so already we've got a problem. Now, biblically, when is the beginning of the year? Exodus 12 makes this very clear. At Yahweh said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, This month, Nisan, shall be for you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year for you. According to the Bible, biblical Judaism, the first month of the year is immediately before the Passover. That's in the spring. So for Patricia King to say that uh, this is a totally biblical feast, no, it's not. Rosh Hashanah is not a biblical feast, and I would note that however modern-day Jews are you know, keeping time and deciding what, what is the beginning of the year and what is not, it's not in accord with Scripture. It's a completely different schema. And you'll note that the Pharisees, the true Pharisees, uh, they were not friends of Jesus, they, 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 the, the true Pharisees, they were the enemies of Christ and were co-conspirators in Christ's crucifixion. So you're going to know we've got a big, big, big problem here. And that is, is that Rosh Hashanah, according to the Bible, if you're going to celebrate the first of the year, you got to go all the way back to uh, the month of Nisan and uh, the time of the Passover, not the Day of Atonement. And it's here that I should point something out, and that is is that Hebrews 9 makes it clear that for Christians, the Day of Atonement is has nothing whatsoever to do with um, what what the you know the Jews of uh, of the Mosaic Covenant celebrated, so here's what it says in Hebrews nine. But when Christ appeared, the high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent that is not made with hands, that is not of this creation, he entered once for all into holy places, by means uh, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal. Redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of a heifer sanctify for the purification of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God? You see, Jesus is our sacrifice. For Christians, the Day of Atonement is Good Friday, the day that Christ is crucified on the cross. Uh, yeah, so you know you're gonna note that what Patricia King is doing is it just makes no sense. It makes no sense under the under the new covenant, and so her claim that Rosh Hashanah is a is a biblical feast not true. Okay, the Day of Atonement is the seventh month of the year for biblical Jews, and then you're gonna note that the only time, and I mean this, the only time the Hebrew words Rosh Hashanah show up in Scripture is in Ezekiel chapter 40. Here's what it says. In the 25th year of our exile, at the beginning, uh, so here we got Be Rosh HaShanah, at the beginning of the year, on the 10th day of the month, in the 14th year after the city was struck down. So you're going to know, that's the only time the words Rosh HaShanah show up in Scripture. Only time. And it's just Ezekiel basically talking, you know, all right, well, we were doing this around the, you know, the first of the year. 
So yeah, that yeah. So how many strikes is that? How many strikes does this woman get? But uh, we're, we're we're already way off. And when you position your heart at this time of year in the Lord, it secures that 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 blessing for you for the entire year. And says no biblical text anywhere. Let me back this up. Holiest day on the Hebrew calendar. And when you position your heart at this time of year in the Lord, it's... Again, the, the Day of Atonement in the Mosaic Covenant is a type and shadow fo- fo- focusing us on Christ's true Day of Atonement when he bled and died for the sins of the world. Secures that, that, that bless- Why would God want us to secure blessings during the Jewish feast of, of the Day of Atonement? which points us to the crucifixion of Christ. And finishes up with the Day of Atonement, which is the holiest day on the Hebrew calendar. And when you position your heart at this time of year in the Lord, it secures that, that, that blessing for you for the entire year and for your house. So it's Total mythology. No biblical text says this. It's totally made up. It's a very important time of year. And at this time, we as a church receive prophetic revelation from the Lord. No, you don't. She's a false prophet. Um, because he invites us to partner with him in his purposes for the coming year, and we want to be partnered with him. We have great expectation for that. And, of course, we gather together in celebration and thanksgiving for all he's done. In the previous year, we're so grateful for all he's done, and we want to make sure he knows that. So let's look at 5783. The letter 3 in this year is a Gimel. It is a uh, Hebrew letter, um, and we're going to show... No. <laughs> I'm going to ask the question. Are you using the modern Hebrew way in which numbers are used, or are you using the biblical way in which numbers are used? There is a huge difference. And so she's saying Gimel, which is the you know, Hebrew letter for the number three. That's according to modern Hebrew. Let me explain. So uh, there's a website that you can go to, hebrewnumerals.github.io, uh, all right? That's what it is. And so let, let me just refresh the page so we have this clear. And what this is going to do is this is going to convert numbers that we use like in the English language and, you know, these Arabic numbers that we use. And It'll convert it using the modern number schema used for modern Hebrew. So we'll type in 5783, and as soon as we type that in, you'll note here's the Hebrew version of it, and I'll explain what that, you know, how this all works here in a second. So note Gimel, that is, you, you, by the way, Hebrew reads from right to left. So the last number here is the Gimel, and uh, that's the third letter in the alphabet, in the Hebrew alphabet. But let's do this. I am going to pull up a keynote presentation. And so modern Hebrew, 5783, to kind of break this down, this hey right here is the, is used to demonstrate that this is the number 5,000. And then you got the ta sin here, that's 700. Pei is 80. And then the gimel is three. But that's modern Hebrew. And so she's using modern Hebrew to claim that, oh, we need, you know, that God is speaking to us because of the letter Gimel, but that's not how biblical Hebrew worked regarding numbers. It was far more complicated. Uh, Let me explain. 
So here's a text that we can look at. Jeremiah chapter 52, verse 30. And we have two big numbers in here, and I'll explain to you how it works out. So in the 23rd year of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuzaradan, the captain of the guard, carried away captive of the the Judeans 745 persons, and all the persons were 4,600. So you're going to note that the Bible doesn't use this modern number schema. Not even close. Okay. Instead, it's it's a little bit more involved. Okay. So here's how it would read in Hebrew. Sheva ma'ot, arba im vachamisha. Okay. So Sheva here is the number seven, spelled out, seven. Okay. And then ma'ot is hundreds. So we have seven hundreds. Arba im, 40. Va is is and, and chamisha is five. So seven hundreds, 40 and five. That's how biblical Hebrew deals with numbers. Not modern Hebrew, biblical, okay? Now the 4,600, so here we have the uh, the Hebrew is arabat alafim veshesh meot, all right? Arabat is four. Uh, then you have alafim, that's thousands, and then va is and, shesh is six, meot is hundreds. So arabat alafim veshesh meot, four thousands and six hundreds. That's how biblical Hebrew deals with numbers. So um, if you were to put five, seven, eight, three into biblical Hebrew, not using the modern schema, Biblical Hebrew, all right? It would read out, Chamashet alafim shevat meot shemonim vu shelosha. Okay? Chamashet is five. Alafim is thousands. Sheva, seven. Meot, hundreds. Shemonim is 80. Vu is and. And then shelosha is three. So again, chamashet alafim sheva meot shemonim vu shelosha. I would note that using biblical Hebrew, the last letter is the letter hey, not gimel. And so we got a we we just got a big problem here, just an absolute problem. What is this woman doing? Well, you're going to see it's very clear. So this is a completely modern interpret. This isn't a modern way of de- uh, Hebrew way of dealing with numbers. This is the biblical way of dealing with numbers. And so, what is she up to? You know, which one should we follow? I would note that uh, if you're going to be really giving prophecies, which they're not using the Hebrew numbers, don't you think you should use the biblical schema rather than the modern schema? I mean, after all, I mean, again, I would note that um, the Day of Atonement is in the seventh month, not the first, and the Passover is in the first month, not, you know, not later. This, this, everything here is totally cockeyed. This, none of what she's saying is is true at all. The whole thing is a complete farce and is made up. 
But we continue. Show you the image right now. There it is. Now, in the Hebrew language, it doesn't go from left to right. It goes from right to left. So it is in the shape of a man moving forward. That's what that's what the picture is. It's a man. Now I'm going to back up just a little bit, and she's going to she's going to go on about the uh, the Hebrew letter gimel, which I've already shown. If we use biblical Hebrew, that's not what shows up. This is a modern. This is modern Hebrew. This is a modern Hebrew number schema. But watch what she's doing here. She's going to find prophetic meaning in the letter gimel three. The letter three in this year is a gimel. It is a uh, Hebrew letter. Um, and we're going to show you the image right now. There it is. Now, in the Hebrew language, it doesn't go from left to right. It goes from right to left. Correct. So it is in the shape of a man moving forward. That's what, that's what the picture is. It's a man moving forward. And so in the Hebrew language, it's an amazing language, actually. At lo mevena ivrit. At lo yodat ivrit. This woman doesn't know Hebrew. Uh, nor does she understand it. She knows nothing about Hebrew. Um, but it, it, it has so many prophetic elements within every single letter. Says you. Where in scripture does it teach that the Hebrew alphabet has prophetic elements within each and every letter? There is no biblical text that says that. So we're going to talk about some of those right now. It is a time to look forward. Uh -huh. So she's finding prophetic meaning in the fact that apparently the Hebrew gimel, the letter gimel, is, is a man moving forward. So here's her prophetic utterance. Look forward, not backward. Don't get stuck in the good or the bad of the past because this is a new season. And you're going to find that there's going to be some things done in different ways than, than you've ever even thought of before. And we found this to be true in 2020, didn't we? When COVID hit, all of a sudden, it was like there was a suddenly that came... That Bingo! We had to readjust our entire lives and do things in that season that we hadn't done in that way before and seek the Lord for ways to move forward. Right? So all of this because of the Hebrew letter Gimel. The, the, all this meaning is poured into that one single Hebrew letter. Hmm. You know what this reminds me of? It reminds me of tarot cards. Okay? So you're going to note that uh, if, if you've ever studied out or know somebody who's done tarot cards. I've never done them, by the way. But uh, this reminds me of tarot cards. So there you are, you got a big deck of tarot cards and each card has a specific meaning. And so they'll shuffle the deck and then one will fly out and the, oh, that will be your angel or a spirit guide who's caused that particular one to, to pop out and keep shuffling the deck and out come another two or three, and, and then what they'll do is they'll lay them down and begin to give a fortune based upon these random cards that show up and their, their uh, supposed meaning. She's doing the same thing with the Hebrew language. She's using the word gimel the same way, and I mean this, the same way uh, an astrologer or a Gnostic uses tarot cards and their meanings. This is not prophecy. This is fortune telling. And the Bible expressly forbids fortune telling. Uh, in uh, the book of Deuteronomy chapter 18, 
starting at verse 9. It says, when you come into the land that Yahweh your God has given you, you shall not learn to follow the abominable practices of those nations. There shall not be found among you anyone who burns his son or his daughter as an offering, anyone who practices divination or tells fortunes or interprets omens or is a sorcerer or a charmer or a medium or a necromancer or one who inquires of the dead. For whoever does these things is an abomination to Yahweh. And because of these abominations, Yahweh your God is driving them out before you. By claiming that there is a prophetic assigned meaning to a Hebrew letter, and that because it shows up this year using a modern Hebrew scheme, not a biblical Hebrew scheme for uh, dealing with numbers, and then here's what God is saying because the word, the let, the number Gimel or the letter Gimel shows up in this number year for this year, that is fortune telling. It is exactly the same as tarot reading. Exactly, there is no difference. Now, she's claiming she's getting this from God. But again, scriptures are clear. Beloved, do not believe every spirit. Test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. Patricia King fails. She fails. It, it, you know, if she claims she has direct revelation from God, then why isn't God telling her? Oh, hey, uh, <clears throat> hang on. I got I to I bring Vincent in here at this point. Hi, uh, Patricia. Um, I know this is going to seem kind of awkward, but, um, uh, you know, I, I have a message for you. And that is, is that um, the, uh, Rosh Hashanah is supposed to be during the time of the Passover. Um, the, yeah, that's what the Bible says. And uh, the Day of Atonement, that's really in the seventh month. Um, so um, why didn't the Holy Spirit correct her? He didn't. Because the Holy Spirit's not talking to her. That's the point. Leviticus 19.26 says, You shall not eat any flesh with blood in it. You shall not interpret omens or tell fortunes. What Patricia King is doing here, this is not prophecy. This is fortune telling. Right? God wants you to have a forward thinking in this season. Do not look back. Remember what happened with Lot's wife when she did. Is that, um, He wants you to take a hold of him and walk forward into the new year, looking to the potential that he has for you. It's looking forward. But the other part of the man walking forward um, in the Hebrew lettering, it is referring to a man walking forward with riches. S says who? Did you find this in the Zohar? Did you find this in Kabbalah? Where, where does it say that the Hebrew letter Gimel is a man walking forward with riches? It's not in the Bible. So I'm questioning, what's your source for this? With riches. And I want to park on that today. That's the, that's the word I want to bring forth to you in what God wants to do for you with his abundance. Now, in the world, we know things are going to get shaken. Everything that can be shaken will be shaken, including some things that we... Double bingo. For ...the monetary system, the economic system. Don't put your trust in it in any way. Note, no Bible is open. This is a church service. No Bible is open. The only word they're hearing from God is this fortune-telling that she's doing all because the, the, the number gimbal shows up. But I just, I, you can't make this stuff up. So 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy uh, chapters 3 and 4 are actually very helpful in this regard. 
Paul's charge to young Pastor Timothy, you, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions, my sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, which persecutions I adored, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. That's not a church service we're watching Patricia King do. This is something very different. As for you, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you have learned it, how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings. So Paul, this is his last letter before he is going to be executed by a Roman soldier by having his head taken off his shoulders. And Paul here is pointing young Pastor Timothy to what? The sacred writings, the, uh, the, uh, the hiera grammata, the writings, that's the Bible, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All graphe, all scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. And then he says, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who's to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. What Patricia King is doing here, I mean, it is outright rebellion against God on so many levels. She shouldn't be preaching. She's not teaching the word of God. She is giving a false prophecy that is based on fortune telling and a Hebrew number system that is modern, not biblical. And claiming that Rosh Hashanah is a biblical feast when it's not. The, day, uh, the head of the year was in the sun, not at, the, at this time. And so you get the idea here. I mean, there's so much wrong here. It's not even funny. There's no way to redeem this practice. It's not biblical. It's not Christian. It is absolutely forbidden by God what she's doing. So preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience in teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. But having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers who will suit their own passions. And that's... By the way, that's a real prophecy that Paul gave, and we're watching the fulfillment of it in the video we're seeing with Patricia King. Yeah, people are not enduring sound doctrine, so they've accumulated for themselves false teachers like Patricia King to teach them what they want to hear. They will turn away from listening to the truth, and you'll know Patricia King's not teaching the truth, and they will wander off into myths. It is an absolute myth that Rosh Hashanah is a biblical feast. It's not. Uh, it is an absolute myth that God wants you to align yourself with what he's saying regarding the new year, and then he'll bless you. That's not in scripture at all anywhere. This whole thing is a lie. So they will turn away from listening to the truth. They will wander off, uh, off into myths. As for you, uh, be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Yeah, so I, I think you get the point. So if you know anybody who is into this Jewish New Year stuff, as a Christian, send them this video, even if it's years later, because this is, this is relevant year after year after year after year, because I've watched so many of these false teachers and false prophets use this exact same method, and they're not prophesying, 
They're engaging in fortune telling, which God's word explicitly forbids. Hopefully you found this helpful. If so, all the information on how you can share the video is down below. And until next time, may God richly bless you in the grace and mercy won by Jesus Christ and his vicarious death on the cross for all of your sins. Amen. Mm -hmm.